0: Hey, BizDad Nation. Welcome back to another episode. It's a special Thanksgiving episode, and we are just thankful for all seven, eight, nine listeners out there who are listening to this and making it worth our while. Uh, we've got a great show for you guys today. We'll talk a little bit about Thanksgiving plans. Twist flew a plane, which terrifies me and makes me question aviation rules and regulations. Uh, we'll talk a little sports and biz news, but the two biggest things that we're going to hit on today is we watched The Social Dilemma. And it created a whole lot for me to think and talk about. And then we've got a special talks with Twist. She's got all kinds of questions for us, followed by our final four, your favorite Thanksgiving dish. Let's jump into it. This week's Biz Dads. All right, Andres. Twist, how was your weekend? Man, I
1: have to defer to Twist. Anybody that's flown a plane over the weekend did That's,
0: that's more... where we're starting. That's <laughs> where this show's going to start today?
2: It was incredible. Everyone out there listening should do this as a date or something, but so Will got it for our one year. We went to the Epps Flying Center. It was a company that we did it by, but it was called a discovery flight. So it's for people who want to learn how to fly. So I was in the pilot seat and he like did a quick intro to everything. And we just thought we were going to be in the back, cute, cuddling, looking over Atlanta. And then he was like, okay, you're in the pilot seat. And I was like, oh, I can't Oh well." And Will was in the back. And then we get in the plane. He's like, okay, this is how you go up. And then you pull this when you want to go- get off the ground. And that's all the instruction I had. I pushed the throttle in and I pulled it back. And it was a little rocky, but I flew around Atlanta for an hour. And I kept watching the instructor because he was, it was kind of like a driver's ed car where he's in the right and he like has a steering wheel, but I have a steering wheel too. And I kept watching his hands to see if he was touching it. And I landed the plane four times and took us off four times. Those are called touch and goes. So you go on the landing, quickly hit the ground for two seconds and then pop back up. And I did that four different times, flew around for an hour. It was incredible. At sunset, we flew around. It was so fun.
0: Andres, do you know what the first words out of my mouth would have been if Margaret Ann, or Ann for that matter, if I was in a plane and they were in the pilot seat and the pilot said, Okay, here you go. You know what the first words <laughs> in my mouth would have been? Hail Mary, full of grace. The Lord is with thee. Blessed are thou <laughs> Blessed is. I oh, would have Catholic just prayer, over right? and over again. It would have been a, I would have had to have a rosary. I would have had to have wow. God knows what all, what all I would have needed in order to get through that. And how did Will handle it?
2: He would chilling just in the back he was never worried i don't know why neither of us were never worried the whole time i was pretty There's calm so
0: many things i can say about will taking a back seat while he let you fly the plane um but i'll <laughs> skip on to that it's only an hour show but <laughs>
2: you said i have to do it for him next year
0: For i am just grateful that one i didn't know about this before it happened yeah it didn't. and want two to- I didn't see a streak of flaming gas ball drop out of the sky.
2: About. I definitely went over your house though. We went all the way to Six Flags and like drove around and saw all the all the rides and everything. Man,
0: how cool! It's, a, it's I'll give it up to Will. It's a pretty cool gift.
2: It was. He did extremely well. It was so fun.
0: I mean, that kid continues. Every time I think he screws it up, he brings it back. He just must be a good. He must you know be a good battler. His baseball days, he probably battled three two counts really well.
2: He definitely doesn't yeah. give up. He's a fighter for sure. <laughs> uh,
0: Andres, how was your weekend? Can you top uh, that? No, no, no way I can top
1: that. Well, you know, the kids are out on fall break. So it was kind of the start of that over the weekend. No, I mean, you know, we just hung around Smyrna and, and did the uh, a lot of the normal stuff. I've got a a bunch of Christmas stuff I've, Got to get down from the attic. We are not having any family in town due to COVID, so it's going to be a much more quiet Thanksgiving, but it's all good. Hopefully, get to see some friends over the next few days, including you and your lovely wife and your kids. Uh, but it's all good. My Chiefs had a nice win on Sunday night. Uh, we came back and beat the Raiders. The legend of Patrick Mahomes continues to grow, so plan to watch a little bit of football this week. It was all in all it was a good weekend. How about you?
0: You know, it was, uh, it was a good weekend. It was the first weekend we had without any sports. No flag football, no baseball. It was really weird. I got a lot of yard work done. I played in a golf tournament on Friday that uh, is called The Pinky. And there's this really great charity that a couple friends of ours started in Atlanta called The Giving Kitchen. If you're looking for a charity to support, this is a great one. The Giving Kitchen. The guys that started and Turner's and Local 3, MTH Pizza, they all... Um, they all started this thing up. And good friends of ours who own Stats and Max's and Beer Garden and all that, Dos Pocos, um, are all very, very involved. Our, our good friend, Andre, from Porchlight. Well, some of these guys are going to have to sponsor us now that I've thrown all their names out there. So anyway, we get out there, and this thing is a drunk fest. It is. They, every hole, they are saying, would you like something else to drink? At one point, I asked the guy, I said, do you?" because I've been on this strict diet, so I haven't drank in four weeks, right? So we get out there, and, and the guy says, would you like something to drink? And I said, do you have any tequila? Because really the best thing I can have on this diet is tequila. And he's like, oh, yeah. So you got hands me, and I said, I'll just take one mini. The guy hands me a sleeve of 12. <laughs> and then they started to pour whiskey. And anyway, I got through the night. But then the night, I got through the day. And then the night, while this all this is happening, I'm trying to close two deals. Right? And as we get closer to the end of the day, these deals are not closing and I'm getting less and less coherent. So finally, and unfortunately the deals fell apart, but uh, not because I was drinking, but we got to you know our friend's house and I decided that, uh, you know, it was time for me to step on a soapbox about a couple of things. So I woke up with a moral hangover on a Saturday morning, which I haven't had one of those in a long time. I didn't do anything bad, but I was just talking too much. Mm. So I, all day Saturday I decided I would work that out of me by uh doing yard work and then we had to go to a birthday party with all the same families that afternoon so I got to apologize to everyone and they're like dude what are you talking about it's great so anyway it's just one of those weekends i filled my lack of sports weekend with uh falling off the proverbial diet wagon i i want to
1: hear about the moral conversation
0: uh one was private school the biggest one was private school versus public school uh that was that was the is the that was the big conversation and there was a mix of both people public school who our kids go to school with some private school kids and and I was just talking more about Smyrna really that the problem our high school has is that we have so many schools around where where people are sending their kids to different schools so all of these kids that grow up like we all went to you know one or two elementary schools then a middle school and then a high school right for the most part or maybe even two middle schools fed into a high school that doesn't happen in Smyrna and because most people will send their kids or a lot of people will send their kids to, to private schools so we got we just got going got into, do you know a nice friendly debate but I was loud because I was you know I was Red Door Brad for those that know Red Door Brad he's a great man so anyway it was a fun night we had a chance to uh Really hang out with some some of our you know best friends. We you know, guys like folks like you that we just love being around. It makes for fun evenings. Oh but, yeah. Uh, you know, and then we had um you know, we got a chance to get some church in on Sunday and got more yard work done. It was just a good, solid, solid weekend. And then we played a little wiffle ball with the kids today, the first day of fall break. That's awesome. Yeah. Thanksgiving plans though. I know you said you guys are staying here and you know, we've had the chance to celebrate Thanksgiving together. I made a terrible critical error here but before I get into that and what what are you doing for Thanksgiving how are you uh, celebrating with captain will we'll start calling him Captain will here okay. um,
2: um, we are just staying here for Thanksgiving and then I'm going down to Jacksonville on Friday afternoon for the weekend
0: spreading the time that's good very smart mm-hmm. well yeah we were originally going to do my in-laws as we started talking about the group size, the group size got to be like 18 people. So my parents were coming because my brothers and his wife were coming down for Christmas. And I didn't want my parents to be alone. So, you know, the the, in-laws were very, very nice to make sure they had a place to come. And I started thinking about the size of this group. So I made the, the error, right, Andres, of trying to do the right thing for my parents, which was say, all right, why don't you guys not come because I don't want to put you in an environment where there's that many people, right? I'm trying to be careful with my folks caring more than they do and we'll go hang out with them. Well, the four of us, my immediate family, Margaret and the boys will go to my folks and then we'll go catch dessert at my in-laws. You would have thought I set off an absolute time bomb. That's right. It was, I would say it was not handled properly on, on, um, uh, one side of the equation, I'll let my listeners figure out which side of the equation I think that is not mine, but <laughs> here we are, right? My, my Margaret and I are talking and Margaret and I are like, look, we were trying to do the right thing. You know, finally, I talked to my parents and I said, look, here's the deal. This all blew up. I made this decision for you guys. Do you care? And at the end of the day, my parents were cool. They're like, no, we didn't. We didn't care. We were not coming because you didn't want us to come right? So they were trying to help me do what I thought was the right thing. And now God knows what Thanksgiving will be like. So tune in next Monday to see if there's, if I can keep my mouth shut. We'll see if that happens. You know, I mean, it it just all in all, it was really, it's the first time we've ever had anything like that, where it was kind of like trying to do the right thing and it falls apart. And, you know, you can't make everybody happy. And that's the moral of, I think, being in a marriage, right? And so when you, when you know this, you cannot make all sides of your family happy at all points. That's mm-hmm. something to always, always remember.
2: Right.
0: <laughs> well, let's jump into a little bit of sports and business. So, you know, Andres, twist, not a whole lot for me this week. I mean, it was kind of interesting to see a little NBA free agency. Our Hawks made some moves, which was nice to see, but I cannot tell you anything I paid attention to less than other, other than seeing it on the scroll. But uh, Twist, you had a little drama in the Clemson Tiger family this year, this week.
2: Yeah, that was pretty painful. A lot of my friends, like, flew down there and drove down there, and then they cut it off right before. I just thought they handled it terribly.
0: Yeah, man. Andres, did you see this? They canceled the the Florida State-Clemson game, what, an hour before the game was supposed to start, something like that? And then you got Dabo calling out. Telling them it was an excuse because they still wanted to play, and Florida State was like, Well, we're not ready. You know, we can't play. We, you know, it's all about COVID. Got pretty, uh, pretty heated there for a minute.
1: Man, I tell you, the college football the last three or four weeks has just been a kind of a stinker to me. It hasn't really been any good since that Notre Dame Clemson game. There hasn't really been much to watch. Great. Um, I
2: think this year's a wash. It's been I'm kind off. of
1: a do know kind of a disappointment
0: literally it's college so basketball wednesday i love the fact that Ann just said it's a wash because her team lost <laughs> <laughs> it's like i'm done this is terrible
2: unless we end up winning then this this year didn't matter
0: i'm only watching nfl this year i mean
1: there's nothing else i'm really paying attention to on the college football side unfortunately i mean i'll watch the college football playoff
0: so andres what's the look what's it looking like for the college basketball season
1: Well, I think a lot of these arenas are going to be empty, at least home games. Uh, They are doing some some games in Indianapolis to kind of get the season going. I think the season starts on Wednesday. They always do some early season matchups between some of the top, you know, five or ten teams. So they've got an early slate of matchups. But as you know, college basketball teams don't really – it's hard to know who they're going to be in, you know, November. It's really not until – mid to late December, early January before you really know what you've got. And then, yeah, there's been a little bit of controversy just around the proposal to play the uh, NCAA tournament uh, in a bubble in Indianapolis. We'll see how that plays out. I know there's been some coaches coming out in the media kind of blasting that idea, but it's just so early. I just hope that they'll get some games in and we'll see. Um, Kansas, you know, which is my dog in the hunt, we've got Oh, we got not as strong a team as we had last year. As you know, when the season was called off, we were expected to be the number one seed in the tournament. Um, and the tournament, you know, was called off before the Big 12 postseason tournament got started. So we're going to be replacing a few guys, but I think we'll still have a solid team. There's just so many young kids now in college basketball that I, I you know, unless you really follow recruiting in high school. Uh, it's really hard to to keep up, and and certainly with the NBA draft last week, a, a lot of the top kids, you know, bypassed college altogether and you know played in, in Europe, uh, yeah. and uh, or chose to go to the uh, NBA's what G League. So it's going to be a lot of fresh faces.
0: Yeah, you know, the Georgia Bulldogs with the top overall pick in the NBA draft, pretty and amazing. Edward. Yeah, they didn't do a whole lot with it. You know, it's it's funny. We the deal is we were trying to negotiate. Um, we're all about college basketball, and, and that's why I was trying to get it all done on Friday because the tournaments start um, Wednesday. And to your point, there you know there's there are I think four tournaments taking place up at the Mohegan Sun. Um, yeah. So we were working on some basketball. There's a deal that we were a part of down here in Atlanta at State Farm Arena, which is great. Um, some big names. Uh, Georgia Tech, Kentucky, LSU. Um, but, I mean, it's it's crazy that college basketball season is already here and that uh, still we're still dealing with this thing. Um, but anyway, hopefully, you know, we'll all have a vaccine and we'll all at least be able to go to the games in March. Well, let's jump into what I want to talk about here, focusing on our cul-de-sac chat and a little preface. But if you haven't watched it, there is a documentary out there called The Social Dilemma. It is quite freaky. and I haven't talked to anybody that is tr- truly comfortable with it after they've watched it. But let's jump into this week's call de sac chat. So, Anne, you've watched The Social Dilemma, right?
2: Yeah, just did.
0: Andres, you've got an hour or so of it in. You've got, um, plus you have an understanding of some other books that you've read about what's going on there. I'll tell you, I mean, first, Anne, give me your thoughts on the social dilemma coming from a total different generation
2: so from the zillennial point of view i think that we all should watch it i was just thinking about a way to force everyone to watch it but i think it was extremely insightful because people just can go on there for hours and they don't realize they're just addicted to it and they don't realize what they're doing and how like everyone's mental health is being seriously affected by it. Like when they were talking about the suicide numbers going all up after seeing social media hit the world, that was just heartbreaking, but. Oh, it was terrible. Yeah. I think everyone needs to watch it for sure.
0: You know, if you haven't watched it, it's a documentary done by this group that started an organization called the Humane Technology Project or Humane Technology is the overall group. And they have a whole campaign around the social dilemma, and um, what they talk to you about is how the entire environment of not just social media, but you know, really Google, email, your social channels – um, all of these interactive devices are all our cr- inter- interactive programs are all created to generate massive amounts of data that can then be sold to advertisers. There's a quote in it that says, if you don't know what the product is, then you are the product. And that kind of sat with me like, oh, my God, like this thing is truly crazy. The dilemma that you know we all face, obviously, is you become addicted to your phone. And what they're doing is they're constantly driving that addiction and they compare it to a drug addict. And probably the second most or maybe even the most impactful quote that they talk about in the movie is they say there are only two products that call their customers users, drug dealers and social media technology companies, because that's what we do. We are absorbing and using all of this information that they send us. And it takes you down a couple paths, right? They they talk to you about how the you know there's these impressionable kids. So they have this family, this very 2020 family of a you know two teenagers and a, probably a middle schooler, and they follow the path of them using this technology. And the poor girl, you know, is posting pictures of Instagram every few seconds, and somebody makes fun of her ears, and then she, you see her go into this depression and this insecurity. Then you see this high school kid start getting information, all this propaganda information, all this information that is about, um, they don't give you the political side, but they, you know that it's a political discussion. It, there's protests and all these kind of things. And this kid gets sucked into all of this content that he starts to absorb online. Well, what they tell you along the way is that the algorithms that were created are designed to keep you engaged so, if the three of us were to sit here and Google something, and we should actually try this, we should Google something and see how our results differ, right? Because you could be sitting next to someone, Andres, you and Heidi could be sitting next to there, and search for things to do in, and, you know, based on your results, it could be as simple as, it's hers says Smyrna, and yours says Atlanta, or you could search something and I don't know, give me a good example, but I mean, something, you know, so it's, it's really fascinating that one, I think we're all pretty normal in what we're searching and whatnot. So, you know, the fact that we all get different stories or different variations of stories and we're, you know, we're so close to each other. Right. And we type in the exact same thing, even in this simplest example, it goes to show that we're all getting different information. Um, and and what's what they talk about in this documentary is how it created this political divide. And to Anne's point, you had, you know, they had all these stats about the suicide rate, right, that increased significantly. They had never before even been able to track it really at the middle school level, right? And now these middle school kids getting into, they start talking about the age range. And the first generation, the kids born, what did they say, Anne, in 2000?
1: kids that kids born after
0: 96 grew yeah, well, kids born after 96 that's so that's Anne. that's the zillennials the zen whatever you want to call them but the kids that have and Anne, did you have social media in, in elementary uh, middle school i was when do you remember
2: 96 i'm 95 baby but we had social media no no or yeah we had no i think we didn't get it till high school actually
0: so I mean, to, social media and, and Facebook all started right in the college level. Oh, sorry, Facebook,
2: yes, Facebook a while ago. But I'm talking about Snapchat and Instagram.
0: Yeah. So you had it, and so you were part of that generation that had it in middle school. Yeah. Whoops. And now they have started to track all of these individuals, and the depression and the suicide rates are off the chart. Then they start talking about you know how the political divide is mm-hmm. so much larger than it has ever been. Yeah. Um. And how they are, and it doesn't just talk about the United States. It talks about how social media is being utilized to overthrow governments, right? To create this complete unsettled environment in places like Brazil, right? And it's absolutely fascinating for me. Wait, isn't that the US?
1: What's that? We don't have to go to Brazil. To see social media's impact I mean it's happening what
0: well, i'm saying I'm saying it's not just the u
1: s yeah I mean well but i mean i i we've seen the rise of social media since this documentary came out in the fall, just with this last election right i mean
0: it's oh, it's crazy it's crazy so what do you think of what what's your thoughts about all this andres?
1: Well, I mean, you know, I that book that we talked about uh, a few weeks ago, I know that uh, one of the authors was interviewed in this in this documentary. And I, I think he talked extensively in the documentary about the generation of of young adults now, you know, in their 20s who grew up on social media and how, like Anne said, the impact it's had on their, you know, in general. Right. Not not every individual, but in general, it's had a huge impact on that generation in terms of their level of, you know, comfort interacting um, outside of social media, their, uh, you know, their their uh, emotional state of mind, um, the need for sort of like instant gratification. Um, I mean, you and I didn't grow up with that. So that's definitely been a huge change. And then, you know, like we talked about in our show before, like many of these people that were interviewed that are former social media executives uh, or employees, they're not even letting their kids use social media, which should tell you a lot.
0: Um, yeah, I mean, thats that was so revealing. Who was the guy, The um, Kim, uh, Tim Kendall is the CEO of Moment, but he was the president of Pinterest and the original director of monetization at Facebook. So he created the model that is now Facebook Advertising. And he said, I will not, not only do I not allow my kids on social media, we limit screen time. Um, When, when, when these guys were talking, these doctors from Stanford and Harvard and all these places, were talking about the change that happens in our brains, like addicts. That's what really started to freak me out. There is a moment, um, and they do an incredible job in the documentary where, and we talk a lot about this in advertising, so I'll hit that on just a second, but they put these three guys in a simulated environment and these three characters are responsible for p- turning the knobs and pushing the levers that build the profile of this high school kid that I mentioned.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And as it starts out and he is just a blue shell shaped like a human being. And the more they turn those knobs and the more content they feed him, the more they start to learn about his habits and the visualization of this becoming more and more, instead of just like a, you know, a, a silhouette, it becomes more and more like the kid. And at the end of it, it is looks just like the kid standing there. So they know everything there is to know. So the thought that we have a profile out there, but they don't know our name. It's all bull. They know everything there is to know about us, right? And this is on the heels of, and kind of what caused me to watch it is I was was noticing that Ben is really into cars, Lamborghinis, Ferraris, like luxury exotic sports cars. And Andrew is becoming really, really, and getting really, really into Minecraft. So he's becoming, you know, when he watches YouTube, he's watching other people play this video game which I can't stand to begin with. So then I start seeing them. We monitor what they they watch. But when Ben types in exotic cars or hot cars, you'd be shocked at the kind of shit that comes up. So here it is. My eight-year-old is looking up Lamborghinis. And innocently, he wants to find pictures of, just pictures of Lamborghinis and Ferraris. And next thing you know, there's half-naked women, you know, standing next to these cars, there's inappropriate scenes where these cars are used that kind of thing. Just, you know, it's a lifestyle of having this, these Lamborghinis and whatnot. And I was like, that's it. You know, I started to educate myself on this and I'm like, all right, YouTube's gone. Right. I'm okay with them watching television or watching certain things like, you know, that they're going to enjoy on YouTube, things that I know I can control a little bit, but it really freaked me out that. Even YouTube kids they talk about in this documentary, controlling the consumption uh, of these 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 younger kids that start at a very, very early age. it's just totally freaky, yeah, I mean
1: I, look, I think there's a lot I think there's a lot to take away from this this show and and I think it raises a lot of disturbing questions for parents um and probably for people that have social media accounts, right um, some of which are the fact that you know, like you said, you're turning over significant amounts of data, uh, and the, you know, the activity basically that you're doing throughout the day, all of which is being fed into an algorithm, that algorithm's getting smarter and smarter, learning more and more about you. And, you know, probably for me, I go back to, again, I, I read a lot. So I was, you know, ironically, I didn't know we were going to talk about this issue, um, you know, when I was reading this a week ago, but I came across a quote that is attributed to Zuckerberg back from when he was in, you know, college at Harvard. And this is is reported by the news, uh, business news uh, website called Business Insider. But this is Zuckerberg. Zuckerberg. Yeah. So if you ever need any info about anyone at Harvard, just ask. I have over 4,000 emails. Now, this is him at 20 years old. Okay. I have over 4,000 emails, pictures, addresses. His friend, what? How did you manage that one, Zuckerberg? People just submitted it. I don't know why. They just trust me. Dumb, and I won't spell the word. And, you know, the author of this book that I'm reading says, you know, what has really changed? Apparently not much. Now there's 2.7 billion, you know, what? (laughs) So, I mean, to me... You know it gets into that whole debate at the end of the show around does there does there need to be more regulation? Are these monopolies have they gotten to be so big that you know you have to start regulating them? I don't know where that goes. I do think that uh I do think that they've gotten to be so big and so powerful um and you have seen a lot more oversight uh or at least you know the c e o s being called to testify um you know before congressional um, committees, uh, over the last year. Um, so we'll, we'll see. I, I think that there's a lot more attention being paid to this. Um, but it really does start at home. And I always come back to the idea that, you know, if, if you're not mature enough to be able to understand the dynamics of what these companies are doing, um, and how they're utilizing your data and, and how the stuff you're being fed could be manipulated and filtered, you know, that's probably the bigger issue, but definitely these companies are taking advantage of it, and um, it's huge. There, there. It's a it's a huge social issue.
0: Well, it is, and I mean, look, we talk about it quite a bit in uh, in advertising, right? I mean, everything we do now has some element of data connected to it. it it's, you know, the the, the days of just a brand owning a sign doing some promotions in a stadium are over is now tied to how you interact with those fans and leverage their fandom, leverage their affinity to, to that certain property. And part of me just looked at it and said, you know, I, I, I want to find ways to, to enhance the user experience, um, but want to be smart in how we're doing it. That's what really this boiled down to for me Um, When they start talking about the artificial intelligence and these algorithms, this machine learning that's that's happening, it starts to become pretty eye-opening when you think about, you know, the fact that we don't even know how fast it's changing. And they actually say that a couple times in the documentaries that even the people who created the algorithms do not know how advanced the algorithms have gotten because it's teaching themselves and I'm not sitting here saying that machines are going to take over and next thing you know your toaster is going to attack me but you do start to question how smart we are as a society to create these things that we can no longer control and oversight is absolutely needed right i mean there is going to need europe seems to have done a good job of gathering you know capturing this and focus on how they they responsibly advertise they responsibly use data Because I've got no problem sitting here with, you know, Internet of Things, technology. If you don't know the Internet of Things, it's basically everything that's connected, quote unquote, connected in your world, lives in a chain, in a a web, you know, where they all are connected in some form or fashion. And that's what's feeding all of this data. So when Amazon knows that a package just arrived at my door and I get that notification from my alexa then i'm potentially queued up to buy something else yep yeah it's habits
1: cues it's it's uh there's a lot of science behind it all man and uh no i think i think you hit on a lot of good points and i look i think our our kids are going to grow up in an environment that's far different than like ann's generation which was obviously dramatically different than what we grew up around Mm -hmm. the thing is is everybody's having to make you know decisions way faster than we ever did before. Right. And there's so many social and moral and ethical questions that that show raises. They're heavy issues to, to um, think through and they're not easy ones outside of your own home to really have a huge impact on. Obviously you can delete your Twitter account and you can delete your Facebook account. And I know people that did, some people, you know, in my own family after watching that show were like, you got to watch this immediately. And, mm-hmm. and I, I mean, I've never been a big Facebook user and I've never used it to get news. I do have an Instagram account. I have 16 followers, Brad. You might you might need to get on that. Um, <laughs> and you have a Twitter account. But obviously, when you start seeing the fact that, you know, some people are using social media five and six hours a day, seven hours that's, a day. That's crazy, yeah. Um And that's kind of the average. It's really it it really starts to make you think, you know, how uh, that's shaping society um, longer term. And it's certainly not all bad. Right. There's great ways that news can now be disseminated. And obviously with, you know, if you take just, you know, things like this summer with um, all the social justice uh, marches and the Black Lives Matter movement. I mean, a lot of the things that happened around the country would never have gotten outside of that particular city uh, in terms of news um, with not for social media. So there's, you know, there's, there's obviously good and bad sides to it. So I come back to, you know, hopefully people are just aware of the magnitude of the stuff that gets posted on there and the harm that it can have when, you know, when, when
0: taken the wrong way. Well, and if you can take anything away from either this conversation, if you don't want to watch it or the documentary, when you do, you know, everything that I've read post the documentary says, look, some people have said that these guys don't offer solutions, but I think in it, they actually do. I think they they basically talk about being self-aware and understanding what you're being fed, right? Understanding the process is the, probably the most important part to not falling into the trap. Um, they say a lot of things I've read just said think humanely and impartially when you're deciphering all of this information. It shouldn't be any different than when you read the news or watch the news on TV. Think about it. Here's from as many sides as possible and then come up with your own damn opinion. Mm -hmm. And as I have said numerous times here, find balance and probably get sick of me saying this, but find your own balance, like determine What's important to you, why you use social media, and and then turn it off from time to time. Find ways to get outdoors, find ways to spend time with your family, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, if the solution is just simply take less time away from it and understand um, what is going on out there, hopefully that'll get us to a point where regulation and oversight, at least – starts to mandate or, or control it a little better to where it's not just a free for all. So anyway, that's my two cents. Any closing comments? Oh, I, I think
1: you're, I think you hit the nail on the head. I mean, I think it's about balance. You know, I think it comes back down to trying to try trying to strike a middle ground around where you're getting your information. If it's news, you know, try to get it from multiple sources. I think you can go down in the rabbit hole like the actor did in that, in that film. And, you know, the cycle was perpetuated, uh, right. the more clickbait um, and the more interest he showed in, in one particular point of view and the companies are great at manipulating that. Um, so yeah, I I think it's just about stepping back and obviously it's, uh, it's it, I think it starts at home, you know, if you're raising kids and trying to be as much as possible anyway, and it's hard as parents, right? Because uh, our kids grab our phones and our kids, you know, get on social media before you even turn around. They're, 10, 10, 12, you know, pages into YouTube or something. So it, yeah. it does take a very proactive uh, approach and then trying to set some, you know, some ground rules and limits. Because sometimes I think kids, especially at our age, eight, nine years old, like they don't know, even know what they're watching, you know? And then you turn around and you look through the history and you're like, whoa, you know? <laughs> and, uh, and maybe YouTube doesn't either, right? So they think that it's an adult on the other end, so... You know, sometimes it's it's, you know, I think us as parents, have got to they've got to be more responsible about it.
0: Well, you're exactly right. And I go back to what I saw during this political session of my kids coming down to me and asking the question of, you know, dad, why does John Ossoff hate Georgia families? Because they somehow were getting fed political ads mm-hmm. for, you know, from the Republican Party. And it's just crazy. That's crazy to me. So for whatever it's worth, folks, go check it out. Definitely go watch it if you can and uh, find that balance. All right, Ann. Now, we've got a little Talks with Twist here, and it's a good segue jumping into some of your questions. So why don't you take it away for this week's Talks with Twist?
2: Yeah, my inspiration for this Talks with Twist was from the movie. So to get started, just a few questions to let everyone know what you guys use and what maybe they should be using. So what do you guys use social media for?
0: Well, I think I I, do, I use it a lot more than, than Andres does, but I use it really just for connecting to, to family and friends. I really limited what I post so that it's not necessarily pictures as many pictures of the kids as I did once before, but I, I only use it for one. I probably search or, or, or absorb more than I post and I yeah use it to just kind of see what's going on with with people that I'm no longer really personally connected with right? The the high school friends, the college friends, people that I don't pick up the phone to talk to enough. And that's probably what got to me more than anything was that I don't spend enough time reaching out to people to see what's really going on in their life because everyone's life looks good on social media.
2: Yeah. Everyone's life is a lie on social media. I've discovered And what app do you use the most?
0: I, I think I use Facebook way more than anything else. Um, I think that's our age. I think, uh, I'm not on, Anything other than Facebook, Instagram, and uh, Twitter and LinkedIn. LinkedIn is, tr- is strictly for business. I never use Twitter, um, really. I, you know, I just haven't gotten into that. Facebook. Andres.
1: Yeah, mine are. Uh, I'm I'm a heavy LinkedIn user. Uh, I I probably then after that I use I would say Twitter and Facebook. Generally, Facebook is when I'm DJing. So. If you ever want to check me out, just go to my go to my uh, Facebook page, and I'm usually DJing a set on a Friday. I don't do Facebook to keep up with friends, you know, unfortunately. Sometimes there's family, you know, we have a Sindate family page, so there's usually some cool stuff that's posted there. I use YouTube a lot, um, not to post things, but just to watch. Pretty heavy user of, of YouTube, and then I'm not really into... Some of the stuff, I guess, that's a little newer, like I don't have a, a TikTok. I do have an Instagram, but again, I only have 16 followers, so I'm, I'm pretty lame. Definitely not an influencer. So yeah, I don't know. I don't know if that makes me like behind the times or with the times, but uh, I just, I don't get my news through social media. I get it through
2: newspapers,
1: whether that's good or bad. I read two or three papers a day.
2: Good for you. Well, grandpa does that, and I think that's incredible. I wish I did that. Um, Have y'all ever thought about using Snapchat or do any of your friends have Snapchat?
1: I haven't ever even looked at that website. So I I couldn't tell you. I mean, I think I generally understand what it does, but I I wouldn't actually be able to tell anybody what the difference between Snapchat and Instagram are. (laughs) Or why couldn't you just have a Facebook page?
0: It's like you've just completely blown the minds of every person under the age of 30 that, that would ever listen to this show. Um, I don't ever use Snapchat. I barely use Instagram and I use it just like it's Facebook. So, um, no, I haven't used any of that stuff. What drives me crazy is like, you and I've talked about this and your generation uses that service to literally track each other. You guys know where everyone is at any given point because you're sharing your location. I don't understand how to be safe
2: yeah a lot of people actually don't share it but no uh apple does find my friends so that's the app you should hate more not really snapchat everyone kind of turns the location off but that's more public but i track all my friends like their actual phones phones so that's probably scary to you but snapchat i don't even know how to describe it but we can move on so
1: i i guess here's what we're gonna do brad Here's what we're going to do. We are going to start looking at these companies from an investor perspective, because there is one thing that does get my attention about these social media companies. And that's the fact that if you had invested in many of these companies when they became public companies, obviously that there's a there's a lot of people out there who do not believe in buying, you know, IPOs, if you can even get uh, access to the IPOs. But had you bought some of these companies when they initially went public, most of them Facebook, Amazon, Google, Snap, uh, I don't know, Uber. If you just look at where they IPO'd and where they're at today, I'm probably the idiot (laughs) because I don't know that you have to be a user to actually be interested in the companies, right? I mean, there's the social issues. No, absolutely not. But maybe from an investor perspective, we need to start breaking it down on the show because
0: that to me is. Well, Roger McNamee who was the one is in the documentary. Yeah. And he wrote a book called Zucked waking up to the Facebook catastrophe. He's, he's prominently featured in the documentary and was, he is a venture capital guy, right? I mean, it's what he does for a living. And he even stepped out to say, this is going too far. Um, And he's probably made a gazillion dollars on it. Who knows? They don't talk about that in the film.
1: So I'm I'm gonna so neck on the next show, and I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna break down why I use Snap or Instagram. I'm gonna get with the program. I <laughs> guess I, I guess Snap is probably more of a camera company, right? Instagram is a little bit more of your personal photo journal. Is that right?
0: No, dude. Let me datafy Snapchat <laughs> for you. Okay, capturing the dumb shit that you do in like 15 second videos. Got it. That's there are
2: unlimited right. videos now. And you can actually do however long. But yeah, it's just like to tell quick stories, show what you're doing. A lot of people actually use it for texting. Like some people don't even text people. They just text through Snapchat because yeah. you're getting pictures every time. Okay. Um, do you guys think you could stay off your phone for 24 hours? And what notification would compel you to get back on your phone? Brad's is definitely work related.
1: Yeah, I actually have, uh, I wouldn't say terribly recently but um I did a I did a retreat uh about a year and a half ago where got dropped off on Friday at a uh at a retreat uh facility um not treatment facility just to be clear it was a retreat it was a guys retreat <laughs> um
0: and we had How to turn we haven't our, talked about that on this show
1: we had to turn our phones in and it was uh it was like you know, you had to turn them off or turn them in. They said, turn them in if you're addicted to social media or turn it off. If you're not, I didn't have to turn mine in because I'm not. So I just turned mine off and, and you couldn't turn it on until Sunday, like late afternoon. So it was, you know, it was basically, you know, two full days and it was, I mean, I didn't, I didn't miss it. The one notification, I guess, I mean, it's kind of cheesy, but I, if there was an emergency, I'd turn my phone back on, like, but I don't think that there's really anything social media wise, um, outside of somebody in my family being, you know, in danger that would, you know, that I'm like, so tied to that I've got to know, um, certainly not any news or sports scores or anything like that.
0: Right. <laughs> yeah. You know, I think it'd be tough. What, how do we, how we never talked about the fact that you went on a weekend long retreat here recently. Oh, Hey, you got to dig deep. You got to dig deep to get information. Sometimes we can talk about that. Yeah, we're gonna have to. I would be able to do it, and but it would be very difficult during a work time period. Like I, this week, once we hit th- Thursday, I probably won't touch my phone until Saturday or Sunday. At least I hope, because I'll try to disconnect. But I will say that it it would be a text. That would grab my attention or something business related, like a ping from a LinkedIn connection or something like that, that I would look at and go, is there revenue there? <laughs> that's the worst part. Yeah. Like, is there, are we going to be able to make money off of this? But yeah, I, I think I could do it. But if anytime during the work hours, it would be it would really, really tough. But I think that's where one of the guys actually talks about how email, he's addicted to email. And I probably am too you know, even though I, you know, it's now become worthless.
2: Those are some good answers. Thanks guys.
0: Well, that's our, uh, that's our episode for the week. Our, our social dilemma, our parenting dilemma. I hope everybody will leave comments and, and send us some notes on uh, kind of what they think if they watch the social dilemma and we need to start getting some guests on here. So any of you, uh, you folks out there who are listeners and you want to jump on board and kind of talk to us about your thoughts on some of these things let us know let's jump into a very fun and thankful final four this week what are your favorite thanksgiving dish twist what's your favorite thanksgiving dish
2: growing up it was corn casserole because i refused to try the sweet potato casserole and then one day my mom made me try it and now it's my favorite so sweet potato casserole is now my favorite andres
1: well, you know, I told you guys it was turkey, but you made me feel bad that that was like too lame. So I would Boy. say green bean casserole for sure is is probably one of my favorite dishes at Thanksgiving.
0: Yeah, that's mine, too, man. Green bean casserole is a, is a favorite for me. I'm a big fan. But I will tell you, I also have fallen in love. I, I never liked stovetop stuffing, but I like my father-in-law's stuffing it's like a family recipe they've had forever it's really really good but um the funniest thing i'll tell you is our final this is our fourth for the longest time my mother thought that i liked ambrosia if if you asked the question she'd be like oh brad's favorite is ambrosia and i hate coconut it's like one of three things in the whole world i don't eat so i don't know where she got that shit but it ain't that (laughs)
2: Brad, that's the exact same thing that happened to our family with our grandma. That is so funny.
0: I never told her. It's crazy. It's like nobody even, kind of like Margaret Ann's mom thinks her favorite Easter candy is peeps. Margaret (laughs) Ann can't stand peeps. That's funny. All right, Biz Dads, thanks for listening. I hope everybody has a great Thanksgiving. We are very thankful. Uh, Andres, I'm thankful for your friendship. Twist, I am thankful for everything that you do here and not only the Biz Dad world, but trenches, and uh, we hope you guys have a great Thanksgiving, and have a great time with your families. Yeah.
1: Don't eat too much, and we'll look forward to our next show where we get to break down what happened around the Thanksgiving table.
0: Amen to that. See you later. This is Dads. We're out.